Limitless Wrestling fans, it's another edition of the Limitless Wrestling Podcast coming to your ears, wherever you may listen to your wrestling podcasts. John Alba here, joined by the czar of Limitless Wrestling, Mr. Randy Carver. Randy, how you doing? I'm doing well, John. How are you? I'm I'm as well as you could be. I consumed so much pro wrestling over the course of the last two weeks that these past three days or so, I've just said to myself, I need to just not think about pro wrestling, watch pro wrestling. <laughs> it's just too much. And so now us talking about this, this is kind of my first foray back into things. I was at the AEW All Out show in Jacksonville last week. So it's it's been pretty all-encompassing. How was that experience? Did you watch the full show? I watched the entire show and the pre-show. Well, what did you think of the show? I'll ask that first. Um, and people will laugh from this coming from me. It was very long. Yes. Um, and that's what stuck out to me the most, and I'm sure it stuck out to you even more because I saw how hot it was uh, down there in your area for the event. But um, there are pieces of it that I really enjoyed and honestly some pieces that I kind of tuned out on. But um, – I really enjoyed uh, MJF and Moxley in the main event. I think it was a fantastic championship match and um, I think solidified MJF in a position of uh, main event tier matches in AEW. I don't know if he really needed this match to cement himself there, but if any, if there were any doubters of him before, I think they're gone now. Yeah, John Moxley worked such a unique style in that match too. And li- literally the entire time watching that match, I'm like, Man, how much fun would it have been to get a John Moxley uh, uh, limitless wrestling appearance at some point? It would he have been. would have fit in quite well, uh, I think, to the whole to the whole vibe, the the whole atmosphere. Um, I, I was thinking it, myself, I would have loved to have seen a John Moxley Ace Romero match in a limitless ring. I just no holds barred would have been awesome. Ace Romero's good if you put him in a fight format. Mm-hmm. He really is. That's he what I'm saying. The occasion. I mean, obviously, the fans bring the weapons is uh, something memorable, but. Uh, yeah, that'd be a fun one for sure. Yeah, or you you throw in the likes of Brandon Kirk, maybe. Yeah, and John Moxley, the new the new the new synergy wrestling heavyweight champion, Brandon Kirk. I saw that. I saw Brandon Kirk adding the hardware. Good for him. Colin West had to put the belt around his waist. He wasn't too happy about that. Would you ever take on a special guest referee role? Um, I, I would if the situation called for it, but I, okay. uh, I, I think the officials know what they're doing a lot better than anyone well, else. Well, to be some of them. Well, yeah. I mean, we got Eric <laughs> Greenlee. If I know where you're going with this. Um, no, but I mean, in general, we, we really do have a, a very talented crop of referees, and I'd hate to uh, take away matches from them. I think we've only done it a few different times in the past. Um, one standing out in my mind, Calvin Strange being the official lifeguard for the wet, hot American street fight between Whiskey Dick and the Thick Boys. Um, I think it works on certain occasions, but I, I certainly think that uh, something special would have to call for that. I'd agree with that. Uh, as for the rest of the AEW show, yeah, it was hot as hell. It was one of the hottest sporting events, entertainment events I've ever covered in my life. It was so humid. You saw Matt Seidel fall off the top rope. I have no uh, doubt it was because of how slippery it was. No doubt. I can't even imagine those ring ropes. Like, n- not only with uh, with the wrestlers in there who are going to war, you know, obviously sweating match after match, but just how humid those ropes are going to get anyway. Uh, I, I'm very happy that he was okay because that could have really been a gnarly landing that um, could have ended a lot more poorly for uh, Matt Seidel, who's... Honestly, one of the best people in pro wrestling. Such a positive person to have in a locker room. And uh, I hope this uh, this isn't like a one and done for him in AEW. I hope that this is a thing for him moving forward. It's pretty wild. Really good addition. It's pretty wild AEW doesn't have a cruiserweights division of sorts, huh? You'd think that they would, especially looking up and down the roster. Uh, maybe, I mean, they've been talking about adding, you know, more... AEW content in general, so maybe with that we'll have yeah. more championships. I think they were heading towards a trios title at some point, which honestly is something I'd love to see in Limitless, or even if not a trios title, a trios tournament in Limitless. I think would be yeah. super awesome. Yeah, it looked like they were. I think right before the the pandemic really kicked in to, to swing, um, it looked like they had a bunch of trios kind of forming, or 
at least poking their necks out there to be involved in something that would be a trios tournament. Would you ever consider a trios tournament? I think so. Um, I think a lot goes into that and, and doing it right. Um, but, uh, I mean, I definitely think so. We, we had actually tossed that around, I think, a couple years ago when the mainstay posse was running rough shot as a trio. Um, I want to say it would have been summer of 2018 is when we were kind of tossing it around and thinking maybe if we uh, – I think at that point it was what if we had trios come in from all different regions and companies so that you had eight trios, all trios representing a different company or – uh, different region of the uh, you know the landscape of independent wrestling and bringing them together for a trios tournament, but uh, we never really facilitated that into an actual idea. But I mean, it's it's definitely something now that we've got all this time to think about things. Uh, it's definitely something that could come into into play. Did you have the colony on a show? I did. Um, we were actually uh, it was no control, I believe. Um, it was mainstay posse and that ended up being them versus green ant, uh, worker ant and Travis Huckabee, uh, fire ant was originally supposed to be there, but he ended up, uh, being overseas at that time. So we, we made do and kind of made a team Chikara out of that colony team. They were fun. They were fun, uh, fun, fun trio there. Well, speaking of mainstay posse and then formally being a trio, one of the most, Insane moments in Limitless Wrestling history was Alexander Lee turning on the Mainstay Posse back in July of 2019. Turns out, a lot of Limitless Wrestling fans think it is as well because they've been voting in our Top 10 Limitless Wrestling Moments of All Time countdown, which is serving as our five-year anniversary show, which is going to be coming to you this month. We're going to have a full panel discussion of the Top 10 Moments of Limitless Wrestling history as voted on by you the fans and randy we're really making a final push here yeah we are uh the power is in your hands to vote the top 10 moments in limitless history obviously with everything going on in the world we're not able to host the five-year anniversary wrestling show this year which is a bummer uh but we're going to try to do whatever we can to kind of make the experience a fun one uh an inclusive one and uh something that we can share as still a moment uh, with the you know the, the limitless team and the limitless fans, so uh, we're getting a panel together later this month. We're going to count down the top ten moments in limitless history as voted on by the fans, and the survey is still up for you guys. It's going to be up till Monday evening, September fourteenth. That's going to be the last night you can vote, and uh, we, we've been posting this link everywhere: Facebook, Twitter, and there'll be posts every single day leading up to Monday. So if you haven't seen it yet, keep a lookout. You click the link, you can take your five top moments. You can pick five out of the list, and there's a ton there. I think there's over 20 total on the list. You can pick your favorite five, submit it, and uh, we're going to tally everything up after Monday, and then we're going to get the panel together, and we're going to discuss this, count it down, 10 through 1. It's going to stream on our Facebook page, on our YouTube page. Uh, There'll be actual concrete information once these polls close, so – I think next week on the podcast, we'll be able to kind of lock down uh, dates and times of everything going down, when the stream will happen. And uh, soon, you'll be able to find out what the top 10 moments are as voted on by you. Yeah. And here's what I'm going to invite people to do. I'm making this decree right now. If you have a favorite Limitless Wrestling moment of all time, or if you just want to wish Limitless Wrestling a happy birthday, you can... Take a little video on your cell phone and just give us a little video message. And you can send that in. And maybe we'll include some of them on the show. I think that would be pretty cool, Randy. Yeah. So let's do that. Um, Where can they send us, it? So let's let's say Twitter. Let's say Facebook. Either one. Uh, if it's Facebook, feel free to either DM it to us or drop it right under in the comments section when we post this uh, this survey up online. So Anytime within the next few days, if you want to do it on Twitter, tag us at LWMain or tag John Alba or Randy underscore Carver LW. Uh, either of the three, send them in, tag us, and uh, we'll rip a few of these down and we'll throw them uh, on the special. So I think that'd be know, pretty cool. Uh, let us know some of your favorite moments, maybe the most impactful moments, because they may not be listed uh, on the survey. They may not be listed in the options. I know there's a ton. I think there's like 25 options, but... Uh, I, I definitely know that a lot of the things that happen on these shows will impact people a lot differently 
So uh, if you've got a moment that you think may have been left off the list or something that just impacted you personally uh, that you'd like to put out there or, uh, or even just, uh, you know, happy five years that you want included on this special, uh, throw, us, throw it out there in a tweet, throw it out there in a Facebook post, and uh, we'll get some of those on the episode. I think that'd be pretty cool. Tell us why you love Limitless Wrestling, and we'll include it. And I'll tell you this, a spoiler alert here. Between the top three vote-getters right now, only five votes separate first place from third place. Wow. So this is a tight vote for the top moments. So make sure you get yours in right now. I'm really, really excited for us to go through all of these. And we got an all-star panel coming up, if I may say so. So it should be really, really fun, and it's going to be a great way to celebrate five years of Limitless Wrestling. No doubt about that. All right, Randy. So we got the road rolling on here. Anything you want to mention that we've seen the past week or so and what's coming ahead? Well, uh, I can definitely tell you what's coming ahead. Episode 8 coming this Wednesday. Uh, IWTV, of course, 7 p.m. every Wednesday. You can sign up using the promo code LIMITLESS. Get a free trial. You can catch up on all seven previous episodes of The Road. If you missed this past week's main event, Eric Johnson and Rip Bison going to war. What a hoss fight we had. And uh, coming up on episode eight, we've got Love Doug going one-on-one with Trayvon Jordan, one half of Waves and Curls. Love Doug... uh, in, in a search for a rematch with basic Becca. So she put this match together, uh, maybe ducking and dodging love Doug a little bit, but uh, if Doug can pull off a victory here against Trayvon, he might get a rematch with basic Becca down the line. She said so herself. Uh, I don't know if you saw this or not, John, but Alec price uh, last week on the road, calling for a rematch with Ace Romero yes. before this series is over. He's crazy. He's crazy. Um, and, and we've seen that time and time again. I mean, he's, Loves to run his mouth. Uh, I look back at Twilight Zone as really a gleaming example of that when he uh, was was trash-talking, and not only that, but Bob J.D. Drake with a microphone at the start of the match, and that uh, didn't pan out too well for him moving forward. Uh, we also have the Stigma, the tag team debut of the Stigma, Eric Johnson, Brandino Davis. Johnson now on an eight-match winning streak in Limitless Wrestling competition. Spanning back to pandemic at the dojo in March, which is just, it's a crazy run for him. Who's someone that's been waiting years to kind of break into limitless wrestling. We've talked about it before. He's been kind of waiting uh, for the opportunity. And really uh, it's crazy that the, you know, the time in the world that we're in has created that opportunity for Eric Johnson. And he's, he's taking it, taking the ball and run with it. So uh, we'll see if he can hang in every division here in, in singles. He's done quite well for himself, but in tag, he's really an unproven commodity in the world of limitless wrestling. Obviously, one half of the Let's Wrestle Tag Team Champions, along with Brandino Davis. So uh, we've got some interesting competition lined up for them this week. Eric Johnson's on the run of his life, man. So He is, and it's crazy that it's 16 years deep in a career. Like, that's that, and, and that just goes to show, like, it, you know, persistence will pay off in professional wrestling. Sometimes it's going to take longer than you may expect. But uh, he's really kept, you know, building a lot of steam. And I think a lot of people who are watching this program very interested in Eric Johnson as well. So, Well, I think it's going to be worth your time to check out here as the road starts to wrap up. Crazy enough. I can't believe we're already getting there. I know. Um, and j- stay tuned because we do have a handful of episodes left. But I think... Uh, the the time in between seasons so to speak may not be long for the road series so mm. uh, we're working on hint, uh, hint, hint. facilitating something to keep this series rolling um working out the logistics of it now but i think there's going to be more than just these 11 episodes well that's great news to hear i know everyone's going to be happy about that maybe we can get my boy on some of those episodes I think we will. I, okay. I, I have a good feeling about it. Maybe I'll have to tell the rest of the Limitless Wrestling world more about my boy, just to, for some of the audience who may not be so familiar with him. I'm sure you'd love to scream it from the mountaintops. <laughs> Mount Katahdin? Yeah, maybe. Okay. You ever climbed it? Uh, no, I have not. I've stared at it, though. So. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> you think I'd risk my hair getting messed up like that? 
No, I, I can't imagine you're a you're a big high elevation guy. The humidity almost did a number on my show and on my hair in Jacksonville at the show, so <laughs> I, I I don't like to push things too much here. Randy. What did you do uh, for the like the post show? Was it a call in and not a press? It rise? was it was a it was a Zoom, basically a Zoom call. It, it wasn't gotcha. Zoom, but it was basically a Zoom call. Oh, and if you did not see all the news that came out of that one, boy. It was certainly something. First off, you know what? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidebar here, Randy, just because I All have right, to. Go right ahead. I have to. There were these rumors going around that AEW was removing credentials from media for asking hard questions at press conferences. Really? I can unequivocally state that that is false. First off, you would know firsthand that I would be the first one off those calls if that were to be true. Yes, you like <laughs> to press the buttons. I, I do like to press the buttons. And I just can't stress enough, listen, AEW's been great with media. They, they, you may not like their answers all the time to what they are asked, but they are fairly transparent with media. And, and I have to say that that is something that is true. The Matt Hardy stuff that happened on this show, a lot of people were pressing myself, included Justin Barrasso, who, by the way, I finally broke bread with Justin Barrasso, Sports Illustrated reporter for wrestling, and he just had nothing but great things to say about Limitless Wrestling. So No shit. Yeah, uh, Justin's I, actually come to a couple shows. Yeah, I think I think we, you and I can get him on the podcast in the coming weeks, and I, I would love to make that happen. So That would be great. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that would be great. But anyway, so we, we asked questions about this Matt Hardy thing. And I guess it's worth asking you about where do you stand on where do you draw the line on stopping a match due to potential head injury? It's so tough for me as an outside perspective to say because that to me is medical professional stuff. But I'm saying like if this were to happen on your kind of show. Um, I, I vote. I always vote for stop the match. Um, and keep it stopped. If, what's that? And keep it stopped. Yes, because here's the thing is that a wrestler in go time as Matt Hardy was is obviously going to say that they are fine. And we know so much about concussions now. We know so much about head trauma. Um, I think even with an inkling of a uh, of what looked like a wicked concussion, um I would think that you'd pull the plug on that match and, and just, you know, hope for the safety of your roster member because in pro wrestling, like, I don't mean to peel behind the curtain too much, but really anything can be covered up. Um, you can find a way out of any any scenario that you think is too deep to dig yourself out of for the safety of, you know, you, your friends, your, your cohorts, your comrades, you know. Um, it was uncomfortable to watch. Um, and I think a lot of the wrestling world agrees on the flip side. Um, I also know that an inexperienced company, which this is, um, in go time on pay-per-view in the heat of the moment, in the heat of the moment, it's a fucking tough call to make because you not only have a doctor who allegedly is passing this guy in concussion protocol, but you have a guy saying he's okay to go but i mean you know that he's going out there to climb a fucking light tower next is that really i don't know dude it just felt fucking weird but in the heat of the moment like i guess uh, it's it's just shit that you hope people learn from because fuck man like uh you know anything can happen and uh i I don't think anyone really knew the extent of uh the injury at that point regardless of what a concussion protocol said or not well, he, I, don't, he, I don't know what that concussion test really consisted of or how it was that quick, but uh, I'm not going to – I just don't know. Like, I don't have enough information to right. give a ton on that, but I just – like, I, I know how hard that decision can be to make in the heat of the moment. I've witnessed shows – I've been lucky where we, we haven't had a ton of shit like that, knock on wood, happen in a limitless wrestling ring, but I have been around scenarios where – you know, you, you do have to make those tough decisions and quick and, and quick. So uh, it's a tough decision to make, but it just it felt uncomfortable. So your team err on the side of caution. I think you should. I think you should, especially after that, dude. That looked violent and that looked not good. And he was out on his feet and uh, 
just uh, like uncomfortable. And uh, I think when you know, you know, if you even have a gut feeling that this dude's putting himself in danger, I don't think you do it. Yep. And I was talking to Matt Hardy a few weeks ago, and he had, the last thing he said to me, literally the last sentence he said to me was, because we were talking about the chair thing with Sammy that happened last oh, month. Oh, yeah. And he said to me, you know, the thing at this point that I worry about in my career is head trauma. So you see that kind of thing happen, and it's just it's scary, man. It's, it's yep. certainly scary. But Matt, and, and to be like, to just put this out there, it's obviously a fucking mistake. That oh, yeah. This even happened. Accidents um, happen. Absolutely. He's just been um, snake bitten. He's been totally snake bitten in his AEW run. It's It's been a weird run, that's for sure. So, we're not talking about snake bitten on this show, though. We're talking about Know Your Enemy. Because we felt it would be apropos now that we're a year out of this thing to take a look back on what I think many would argue is the biggest show in Limitless Wrestling history. Uh, I definitely think so. Uh, it definitely was from a uh, capacity standpoint, but I, I definitely think that this really set the tone for uh, what I think was one of our, our better runs. Like I, I really enjoy the shows from, I guess it would be May 2019, really July 2019 until February of this year when we kind of closed up shop. Um, uh, but this show, I think, was really uh, a tone setter for us, a step forward, as I like to say. Um, uh, a lot of new things started, a lot of new people really uh, making impactful debuts on this show. And uh, a lot of people in this like summer span of last year really solidified themselves in Limitless for the year moving forward. So a uh, big show all around, I think, for a lot of people who were involved on this show. Certainly was, and again, this was at the Portland Expo. We're going to take a look back through the show, talk it over, how things have aged in a year, and we'll answer some questions that you guys sent in as well. And this one got off to a thunderous start. Ace Romero and Dan Moff, two hosses. Dan Moff had kind of proved right away that he belonged in a limitless wrestling ring, and they tore the house down. Yeah, they did. Uh this one was not supposed to lead off the show. No, it was not. Um, it was going to be Christian Casanova and AR Fox. Uh, we'll touch on that in a second, but uh, I, I think it was a lot of pressure for, for both these guys, Ace and Moff, to kick off this show. Ace Romero, obviously, knowing how monumental this was to the landscape of Limitless Wrestling. You know, he's been a guy who's been here from day one. Um, Definitely the guy who put the company on his back and kind of trudged through when um, things were rough, you know, in the first year, year and a half. And then we, we finally started getting rolling. And uh, I was happy that, you know, he was the first guy through the curtain on a big show like this. It meant a lot to the both of us. And um, fucking Dan Moff, man. People have been putting him over for a long time. This was finally the opportunity that he got to prove himself. Um, and And what a match. I mean, what a way to do it. Uh, kicking off the show in style, and I think that that's a match that people who attended that show, because there were a lot of first-time Limitless attendees at that show. Obviously, we had uh, a couple hundred more fans than we usually do, uh, and that's that's the match that a lot of people will bring up and say, fuck, the, those those hosses in that first match, That's it hooked me for the entire show. I and think at the end of the day, pro wrestling is still Land of the Giants. And when you it have is. when you have two giants doing the things that they did, that's going to captivate you. Yeah, and it's it's land of the 2020 giants because I don't think anybody wants to see like Lord Hercules anymore or whatever the <laughs> fuck you know. But but they they want to see these athletic big men, these strong big men, um, do what they do best. And this was this was the pure definition of a hoss fight, in my opinion. Was there any hesitance to put Ace on first on either your end or his end? Because, listen, this is a guy who has certainly earned his stay in Limitless Wrestling, and he could certainly march right up to you and say, Randy, I deserve to be in the main event. So was there any hesitance to kind of roll with the punches there and, and have him open? Or do you think pro wrestlers, most of the time at least, nowadays take that as a, okay, let's set the bar and have everyone else follow us? I tell a lot of people that the opening match to me is more important than the main event because typically in the main event, uh, I have trusted people in the main event and I know exactly 
uh, at least the the floor of what I'm going to get, and it's usually a high floor. Um, in the opening contest, I, I don't mean this in a bad way, but it's kind of a crapshoot where um, I'm really banking on the opening match to hook people because I know with our with our events, like especially when we run big venues, there there's a core of people who come in because they they saw wrestling advertised and they're like, oh, fuck, I'd love to check this. This would be a fun Friday out. You know what I mean? And I feel it's the opening match's job to hook every single person in the arena to not only be invested in the show, stay through the entire thing, but want to come back for more, have a match that leaves them talking. Um, and sometimes the, the opening contest is the best match on a limitless card. And that's just how it shakes out. And this this was near the top, uh, I think, for for everyone who went to this show. And uh, I, I I had to talk with them before. I, I don't even, I think they were like in the in the middle of the first half, honestly, before we changed up the card because they weren't going to be the main event over the championship. Uh, and we were definitely doing the street fight going into intermission to have time to clean up. So um, I think this was in the middle of the the first block of matches until everything got fucked up that day. Um, but I, I think it, honestly, I think this added pressure because, uh, you know, Moff being a guy who's debuting, I could tell talking to him that it added pressure, but it was, it was, uh, taken very well. Dan Moff, I think is a guy who likes to be under pressure. He likes those big match situations. And, uh, when I, when I talk to him, like I just did right now about the significance of an opening match to me, uh, I think you really understood that and went out to uh, to really kill it for what, not, not only Limitless, but for everybody sitting in that crowd. What did Moff think of his first experience there? Loved it. Um, he was, he was, I think, just had such a good time because it was really like this was a one-show thing to start with Moff. This was a test run, um, as a lot of the debuts in Limitless are. Um, I like to test people out, test the waters, see what people think. Um, and it's, it's really like a land of opportunity because of the people, if you impress the people and they want to see you back, you're going to come back. And, uh, that's exactly what happened with Dan Moff because before he even left the ring, people were chanting, please come back. Dan Moff is one of those guys, and this is not a slight at him, but he's one of those guys who I just thought never got his due in his career. And he's obviously enjoying a nice run right now under a Ring of Honor contract, but this is a guy who I felt should have been in a major spot, in a major promotion during the peak of his career, and he just unfortunately never got that. So for him to have this spot with Ace Romero, I, I think that probably meant a lot to him. I think so, and it definitely solidified him with fans who uh, may have never seen him before or may have just heard of Dan Moff and never actually seen him in person. Uh, it's kind of crazy that after this long, he finally gets a fucking contract with yeah. the world ends, huh? And then COVID hits, so yep. crazy. Uh, so then we got Christian Casanova and Layla Hirsch. This was impromptu, as you said, AR Fox situation. We kind of, not kind of, we did detail it pretty much in length when it happened, but maybe as a reminder, if you feel comfortable digging back into that, what would you like to recall from that? I feel totally comfortable. Um, AR Fox didn't get on his flight. Um, and that's that. Um, he was supposed to kick off the show with Christian Casanova. We've obviously booked Fox like a number of times. Which would before. have just been an amazing match. Yeah. And uh, I guess it had been booked previously too for Northeast Wrestling. And Fox pulled off that event too, which is weird. Um, but yeah, like. I had been in correspondence with Fox and his wife, actually, who'd been handling um, a lot of his bookings at that time on his, on her social media. Corresponded with both of them, you know, in the weeks leading up to the event. Two days before the event, I resend the, uh, the flight information, as I typically do, just to make sure people have it. And then uh, I had someone waiting at the airport to pick him up for probably an hour 20. And I just couldn't. Couldn't reach him. I was trying to call the airline. They wouldn't give me um, a ton of information because obviously it wasn't my name on the ticket. Um, so I could only track the plane, which had said it had landed like an hour previous. And finally, I get a hold of them uh, about two hours later. They said he didn't get on the flight because he thought it was the next day, uh, which is sweet. 
Um, so I looked into options to try to get another flight to get him there still in time. It just wasn't feasible nor reasonable at that point because, I mean, I was at that point, I'd get him into Boston at 7.15 and the show starts not at doable. 7.30. Yeah. So not really possible. Uh, at that point, then, you know, you're looking at what you have and trying to figure out what to do. And I, I actually went to Anthony Green and Ace Romero, I believe, and uh, we sat down and shot the shit about it for a little bit. Uh, Layla Hirsch ends up getting pulled out of the scramble. It was her limitless debut, and that's a, that's another one where it's, you know, now you're going, uh, scramble's still a high-pressure situation, but now you're going from scramble to singles match against a solidified talent in limitless wrestling. I think that probably added some pressure for Layla. Um, luckily, there was some familiarity with Christian. They had wrestled a month previous at uh, Beyond's Uncharted Territory, I believe, um, and they went out and yeah, absolutely they had a hell of a match. Killed it, dude. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was so stoked at the reaction that Layla got, and that was what I was worried about. Was Layla obviously an unproven commodity in Limitless Wrestling? Um, at that point, there was you know some people kind of pulling for Christian. If you remember, the tide was kind of beginning to change. Um, after the Blackwood match at the Vacation Land Cup, uh, you could just sense it with Christian that there were some people who were uh, just kind of overlooking the cocky attitude that he had had up to that point. Obviously, no more Stokely with him at that point either. So uh, it, it, the tide was kind of beginning to turn, but they were they were really into Layla Hirsch and her debut. She came out strong against Christian Casanova. Didn't pick up the victory, but. Uh, this is another one, just like Dan Moff, she solidified herself a return date with Limitless Wrestling right off the bat. How much of a chip on his shoulder do you think Christian had after Fox doesn't show up and he now has to prove that he's just, he's not an afterthought here? Yeah, I mean, it, it just, it felt like all these big opportunities for Christian just kept slipping through his fingers. Um, had the match scheduled with the Hurricane in March. Hurricane ends up getting signed to a WWE contract and getting pulled off the show. Um, the tattoo match. The ta- yeah, the tattoo match, even two months before that. The tattoo match with Kevin Blackwood. Kevin Blackwood, unfortunately, in that uh, life-threatening car accident that you know could have cost him his life or his career, and luckily cost him neither, but... The match obviously didn't get to happen. So you've got those two in a span of two months. You lose Stokely Hathaway, who gets signed to the WWE. Uh, you go to the Vacation Land Cup. Then you lose to uh, Kevin Blackwood making his return. So now you're back with a big match opportunity against AR Fox to kick off this show, and he doesn't show up. So uh, Christian, I, he was he was hot, and he you know he let people know on the microphone that you know he f- feels like he's being ducked here in Limitless Wrestling put a challenge out Layla Hirsch accepted and uh, a hell of a match, but probably a much needed victory for Christian to get him back on track. The new heart foundation defeated the work horsemen in a hell of a tag team match. We don't have to go too far in depth on this one, but just another one of those showcase matches in limitless wrestling where you got some of the best tag teams in the country coming through. Yeah, this one was a unique one. Um, and I'll talk a little bit about this. There was a question that somewhat pertain to the tag matches on this card. Um, this one, I was not sure if it was going to happen. Uh, this was the match that I wanted, like, off the rip, but I didn't know if Teddy and uh, Davy Boy were actually going to be available for the show. So, actually, the backup match, like, the swap, I shouldn't say backup match, but, like, if if the New Heart Foundation were not going to be able to do the show, it was going to be the Butcher and the Blade versus the Work Horseman. Um but we, we had a bunch of things kind of shift around within the like the month, month and a half leading up to this card. Um, but I was happy with this one. This is a wild one for sure. They went all over the place doing some crazy shit. Um, real fun match. I would have liked to see more of the workhorsemen as a team. But uh, J.D. Drake, I think his, his singles run at the end of 2019 in Limitless Wrestling was a lot of fun to watch. Kevin Blackwood picking up maybe his biggest limitless win to date against JT Dunn. I would say so. I mean, quite a feather in your cap if you're Kevin Blackwood to not only eliminate JT Dunn from the Vacation Land Cup two months before, but to beat him in a singles match at the biggest show in limitless history. Um, I, I think this was definitely something Kevin Blackwood needed to cement himself in the upper echelon of limitless wrestling and, uh, it was a tough skid for JT Dunn there for a couple months. I mean, he got back on track soon after this, 
but uh, things look pretty bleak after this loss to Kevin Blackwood, where he was guaranteeing a knockout victory. Street fight. Mainstay Posse defeats Alexander Lee and Brandon Kirk. Lee and Kirk aligned with Joey Eastman for this one. Lee had just turned on the Mainstay Posse. They threw everything at one another here. Brandon Kirk, this is the match where Brandon Kirk got pretty hurt, right? Yeah, Brandon Kirk uh, got split open real good. Um, that's actually the picture on his Limitless Wrestling trading card, Series 3, which you can purchase right now on LimitlessWrestling.com. Uh, he got split open real good from the lobster trap from Danger Kid. Uh, was reaching out of the ring, I think, to bring DK back in, who swung up with a lobster trap, and it just caught him just right on the forehead, split him open bad. And uh, he kind of had to, you know, dip out of there because we didn't know how significant it was. So then uh, that left Alexander Lee to fend for himself. And uh, we all know how that turned Which out. Which maybe that's not. poetic after all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's that's what Alexander Lee and Joey Eastman's gripe has been for all these months with Brandon Kirk is that he left Alexander Lee for dead. When in reality, Brandon Kirk had a sliver in his fucking forehead. But, uh, you know. I guess if they want to be mad over that, they can. But, uh, yeah, luckily, you know, Brandon Kirk was not significantly injured, but unfortunately, uh, leaving one versus two did lose them the match in the long run. What a fucking war it was throughout the Portland Expo. They came unglued for MSP here. That was an electric atmosphere. Like, there were there were a few matches on this night to me where you could feel the energy in the room, and that was one of them. Want to note real quick about Alexander Lee? We're seeing a little bit of a different Alexander Lee on the road here. It's uh, yeah, it, it's a weird vibe with Alexander Lee right now. But I mean, what can I say? It's been successful, especially over the past couple of weeks with Frank Yeager. Um, what do you what do you think about it? I mean, this is Alexander Lee left to his own devices. There's no Joey Eastman right now in Limitless Wrestling. I'm sure once shows pick up again, Joey Eastman will not be far behind. I think. Alexander Lee has a certain enigma characteristic about him. And I'm curious if any other performers take note of that and say this is something I should latch on to. I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I think Alexander Lee, he's certainly a leader of men, but he's not a follower. And I think that's what led to the demise of the mainstay posse is he felt like he was being phased out. He felt like he was a follower to the new vision of MSP. And uh, I don't know, man. This dude, he's a very complex dude. And I think that definitely shows in, in everything that he does. The Butcher and the Blade defeated Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler in a meat versus meat match, or I think that's what it should have been at least. First off, Quite the pairing here in Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler. We will get into that and, and how they came about in the fan questions. But what do you think of the Butcher and Blade right now, what they're doing in AEW? They got the Butcher and the Blade, the Lucha Brothers, and Eddie Kingston as a unit together. I thought they were so great in the Battle Royal at All Out. And Eddie Kingston Eddie Kingston played the role of me in every single Battle Royal I've ever been in. <laughs> so so it, was, it was very effective, I thought. Uh, almost almost won him the match, in fact. Yeah. It's a cool role for Eddie Kingston, isn't it? I agree. I'm a big Eddie Kingston fan. Um, very delighted to see him on a nationally televised program, which just, you know, kind of felt like you weren't ever going to get the real Eddie Kingston on a nationally televised program. So it, it, it's crazy to be where we are. Um, I, this group is crazy. Like it's, it's the, the talent in it is off the charts. To me, at face value, um, because I had tuned out a couple weeks, I didn't really understand Butcher and the Blade being with the Lucha Bros at first. Um, Eddie Kingston, I think, kind of ties everything together there. I think Eddie and Kingston he, might be a master manipulator, if you ask me. Yeah, and he, he ties it together, and he's... I think it was missing that mouthpiece that can really form the direction. And that it's Eddie, Eddie Kingston. For... For all five people involved, I think his narration, um, how he reacts to everything, and really like what they're going to do moving forward, I think is going to be solely based on uh, on Eddie's direction, and I think that's going to really 
dictate how this group moves forward. I'm excited for it because everything that I've seen so far since Eddie's been involved with them uh, has been really interesting. Well, Butcher and the Blade are just so talented. They they have such a great look, and they pick up the win in this match here against Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler. Finally got Tom Lawler in that limitless ring. And yeah, I was yeah. stoked to have Tom Lawler for once. Uh, we've been trying to book him for a year and a half, I think, up to that point. He was actually scheduled to come in at no control. A lot of people remember. I think he broke his arm. Yep, broke his uh, arm. Ahead mm-hmm. of that show, a couple weeks ahead, and just was not going to be able to go. So to finally get him, especially at the biggest show we had ever had, um, I think people were very excited about that. Certainly so. We'll we'll talk more about that match when we get to questions. D.L. Hurst ends up winning this impromptu scramble, defeats Harlow, Hara, Puff, John Silver, and Jody Threat. Man, it was so cool being in that building for that pay-per-view and on the buy-in show, John Silver's wrestling, and the whole crowd is chanting, we want chilies. That's awesome. Because John Silver just, he's got it, man. He's got it. Did you see he helped get Sinbad to join the Dark Order? <laughs> I did see that. That was funny. I'm, I'm stoked for him, man. Like, I think, uh, I think everyone's known, especially those who know him behind the scenes, how fucking funny this dude is. I think, especially with the Thick Boys stuff, I feel like the fun side of John Silver really translated in that team with Jay Freddy. Um, and to see, you know, the layers of John Silver being able to come out on being the elite and now AEW with the Dark Order is really cool. Like, that's a dude who's been grinding for a long time, certainly deserves it. And uh, I hope him and Alex Reynolds, whether it's a team or uh, individually, I, I hope they have some big opportunities coming their way soon. But certainly the biggest win of D.L. Hurst's career at this point in, yeah. in, in Limitless on this stage for him to come in and beat that level of talent is pretty darn impressive. He'd been kind of searching for a big win, and this was – this scramble was really uh, kind of a get-right scramble, an opportunity for a lot of people who were searching for a victory in Limitless Wrestling could nab one. Uh, this was Jody Threat's Limitless Wrestling debut, the return of Harlow. Uh, Puff and John Silver obviously uh, getting a little distracted throughout the match with their differences that would finally be coming to a head uh, in 2020. It took till January of flirting with disaster until we could get the one-on-one confrontation there, but... A uh, big win for D.L. Hurst, um, something that uh, I think uh, a lot of people expected him to kind of capitalize on and move forward, but it was a weird kind of ending to 2019 for D.L. and Limitless, so we'll see. Still think he's very talented, and there's more to come from him. Hair versus career, Chris Statlander and Ashley Vox defeated Skyler and Jeremy Leary, and it looked for a hot second like Jeremy Leary might escape without getting his head shaved, but then... The power of the Limitless Army willed it to happen. He gets his head shaved. The faux greatest hair in pro wrestling is no more. Again, I take I take gripe with that, but uh, nonetheless. I still think there should be a match for the title. I would be totally okay with this. Best hair. I, I just... I don't know how long we're going to have to wait. I have not seen a picture of Leary lately. Listen, we're still trying to get the John Alba versus Chris Van Vliet tag team match going here. So that's a big time attraction match to run in Limitless Wrestling. I'm just saying. We'll get it done. Okay. But yes, uh, Statlander and Vox teaming up here. This is before their explosive encounters in the months to follow. Yes. Um, I think a lot of people wrote off Chris Statlander immediately because this is right around the time frame when she was signed to AEW. Or excuse me, not signed, but beginning to appear on AEW frequently, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, no. Dynamite hadn't even started yet. Okay, so what am I But there, there had been rumors that she rumors. was going to NXT. Okay, yeah, this is the... Okay, I'm thinking of Twilight Zone, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is the time frame where there's a lot of rumors swirling about her her status on the independence, should I say. Um, and I, I think it kind of worked out perfectly because I think a majority of the people were, you know, counting on her and Ashley to lose. And Jeremy Leary, who I just one of the most hated people in limitless wrestling history, I have to say, um, I don't think anyone expected the best hair in professional wrestling to lose his hair. Um, 
just this is another one you could kind of feel the electricity at certain moments, especially when the conclusion of this match hit. Uh, Chris and Ashley starting to trim his hair in the ring. Bradford the Barber and the fans taking over the rest Who, on the outside. by the way, is running for office, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yes, that was out of nowhere. That was out of nowhere. But so yeah, good, luck. good luck. Good luck to him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I sent him my best the other day because fuck, man, that's not something that I'd want to do. But all the power to you if you're hey, fucking going to make it happen. Listen, if a seven foot big red machine monster who lit people on fire and electrocuted testicles could become a mayor. Who's to say that Brad for the barber can't have a government position himself up there in Canada? They must, um, like, the people who are running against uh, Kane, they, they must bring that up, right? Like, I, I would imagine really it. Want this I would imagine guy. it was brought up and they still lost, so. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> what's crazy to me, is they must have some real fucking shitbags running there if they can, <laughs> if they can play this dude electrifying testicles and he still gets elected mayor. Uh, maybe it's just a lot of wrestling fans around mm. there and they just get the deal, but... Mm. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Like we've we've never had uh, a, a hair versus career match ever. Who knows if we'll ever get to have one again? So this is something cool, especially like I keep saying this, but just a lot of cool things were able to happen on the biggest show that we've ever had, and that's awesome to me. Certainly, like you hope that things work out that way. And then the biggest main event in Limitless Wrestling history, Anthony Green defeats MJF to win the Limitless Wrestling Championship. I think a lot of people had realized that the writing might have been on the wall for MJF, but that didn't mean that this match didn't hold less importance. MJF was outstanding coming into this. His promo work coming into this was up to par as usual. Anthony Green had all the momentum in the world. After winning the Vacation Land Cup, the Limitless crowd wanted to see him win this. And he did win it. There were tears to be shed. And he's your new Limitless Wrestling Champion in a hell of a match. Absolutely. And uh, you say the writing might have been on the wall. Like I, I feel like people thought that back in March. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think anyone true. expected MJF to win the championship or successfully defend against Ashley Vox. That's so, true. Um, I, I wonder where everyone's head was at going into that one. But uh, I, I think... In 100% certainty, everyone was pulling for Anthony Green to walk out of there with a championship. Uh, A lot of people had been on this ride, some from the very beginning with Anthony Green being a last-minute replacement for the first-ever Limitless show. Uh, Some obviously joining in with the Cody Rhodes event in Westbrook where Anthony Green teamed with Ace Romero against Dijak and Mikey Webb. Uh, Or Ace Romero costing Anthony Green his first loss in Limitless Wrestling to A.R. Fox and Ray Phoenix. Um, Which can we just, talk about that? Ar Fox and Ray Phoenix as a tag team. Just what a AR world. Phonics, baby. What, what a, a world, team. man. That's that's a fucking fun team. It was gonna be uh, Lucha Bros. Dude, I still say it. I, I think, like, if I were a betting man and I had to just gun to my head say, who the best pro wrestling talent in AEW is, I, I think it's Ray Phoenix. And I really do. I think Ray Phoenix is the most incredible pro wrestler out there right now. And he's he's in a tag team and he's amazing in the tag team. But I think he's just, I think he's just incredible. And the fact that you had him in there, it, it still blows my mind that that level of talent has rolled through limitless wrestling. For sure. And can I just say real cool dude is Ray Phoenix. I believe that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this this was a very, like you said, a very emotional main event for a lot of people. Um, Anthony Green picking up his biggest win in Limitless Wrestling history. And, uh, you know, very apropos that, you know, he was the one who got knocked out by JT Dunn, that MJF fell on to win the championship coming back six months later. And uh, finally, you know, the culmination of so many years uh, becoming the world champion as he still is today as we record this. Um, crazy man. That that's a crazy that's a crazy one, and just I think a really good cap to a really good night. Um, and just I fucking miss it, man. Talking about this entire show, it's crazy that it was just over a year ago. Well, let's roll through some of these fan questions we got. Victor asks, "We had a smaller scramble than usual due to the absence of AR Fox. How close were you to getting Tatanka to fill it? <laughs> Not close. Okay. I, I know I've heard Tatanka living in Florida now." Uh, so I, I don't. Let think me tell you this: Tatanka is probably the definition of a Florida man. 
<laughs> you think so? I very much think so. Just a hunch. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, no, not close to getting him to fill in. Um, I was considered. Were you? Okay, maybe I was considering. Yeah, I'm sure okay. you were considering. Okay. You want to step in there with John Silver? I think I could convince John Silver to join me. I think I could oh, get John Silver Emmy? on my side. The Emmy, the Emmy pops him big time, and I just, I think, I think we'd have some chemistry. That's a fun pairing. I would, I would totally be down. Like the the guy I want, still, is Christian Casanova, but, nonetheless, just saying. Uh, Brad wants to know: Was there any consideration to fill the empty spot in the scramble after Layla was pulled? Kind of piggybacking off of that. There was, um, but really nothing materialized because I. It's it's tough because you know. Do you want to add another person into this scramble who? you may not know that well, or you may be going off the word of someone else. Um, there weren't a ton of wrestlers around that day who I necessarily trusted to put in that spot, especially, you know, on the biggest show that we've ever had. So um, I decided against it. Um, it was something that was considered because I did know that there were potentially other wrestlers who were traveling with booked wrestlers on the show, but uh, I didn't want to wait around and make the match that was already there, wait around on information. So uh, I decided to just keep it at five and pull Layla. Nate asks, what made you choose Romero versus Moff as the opening contest, one of the best pace-setting matches I've seen at a limitless show? I think we kind of went over that, but was there any other match that you did consider? Um, I mean, it was like, like we said, it was supposed to be Christian and AR Fox. Right. Um, but I'm saying, was there another one that you considered instead of Moff and Romero? The only other one that was considered was Kevin Blackwood, JT Dunn. Which would have been a good opener, too. But I, I think so, too. But I, uh, I, I specifically knew how hard um, the building would rock for Ace Romero being the first person to break curtain. Um, and uh, I, I just trusted Ace in that position 100% to get the job done. Brian asked, did the Portland Expo give you any help for the weapons in their facility? <laughs> no, they did not, actually. It was quite encouraged by the... Uh, the, the, luckily, the dude who I was dealing with pretty much 90% of the time with the Expo was a huge wrestling fan. So it made my life so much easier. The Expo, uh, really good to work with. I, I had no trouble. Um, the only thing that uh, did cause some issues, and it really didn't cause any at the end of the day, but... Uh, when the Workhorseman New Heart Foundation started fighting through the crowd, mm. which was specifically stated. Well, you've, you've made that clear on this podcast. You do not like when that happens. Fucking A. Gee, <laughs> it, it burns me because I just think about, like, I hate the someone getting thrown into a crowd because there's old folks or right. kids. Then you have a lawsuit. And, um, yeah. and, like, uh, especially with the Expo, there was so much room provided around the ring or where fans weren't to do some stuff. Instead, uh, Teddy was doing a moonsault into the crowd, um, <laughs> which, you know, creates for good moments. But, like, I, I had to be cognizant that uh, the Expo staff may not be too happy about that. So right. I was trying to kind of rein things back to the ringside area. Uh, luckily, they were super chill about that. And I, I was, you know, perfectly honest with them that we were going to have some type of a street fight. We did have medical personnel uh, on site. So uh, if anything did go wrong, you know, and, and I had already told him anyway, the significance of what was going to, you know, potentially go down. So uh, I kind of given him fair warning about uh, multiple circumstances that could happen. And uh, we we're all systems go with the Portland Expo. Matthew asked, what happened to Dan Moff and Lemonless felt like he was on a strong run that came to Screeching Halt, and that's just that he got signed to an exclusive contract with Ring of Honor. Yeah, yeah, and, and good for him. Uh, but that's where it came to a Screeching Halt, because he did uh, only do one more show after this. He wrestled Matthew Justice, Anything Goes, at Fresh Blood, was scheduled to go one-on-one -on -one with J.D. Drake at Twilight Zone. Which would have just been, would have been but insane. It would have been. <laughs> I, I'm still, that's, that's one of those matches that got away. Um, one day, one day, it led to quite an opportunity for young Alec Price. So, um, it, it ended up really panning out, I think in the end, but that is a match that is still on my radar of someday, some way going to make it happen. Phil asked, was there any consideration to pull someone other than Layla Hirsch from the scramble to wrestle Christian? Honestly, 
Um, Layla was the first person mentioned by Anthony Green because uh, he had seen the match that they had had previously and said that it was very good. Um, I did consider D.L. Hurst and John Silver for that spot as well. Um, But I, I really wanted to get the altercation of Puff and John Silver because I knew with Silver's, you know, potential schedule picking up, um, and this was even before AEW, like you said, but John Silver at that point, I believe was CCW world champion, um, was going to have different commitments moving forward. So, uh, I knew that realistically, this might be the last chance that we get to have Puff and John Silver in the ring for a little while. So I at least wanted to get what we could while we had them. So, uh, at the end of the day, Layla Hirsch just seemed like the glaring option for Christian to wrestle. And I'm, I'm glad that I went that way. Yeah, I think a lot of people would certainly agree with that. Uh, Alicia asks, how did the Dickinson-Lawler tag team come to be? Had they ever teamed before? I don't believe they had ever teamed before before this. Um, what a this tag team. One, I know. This is the one that I was going to talk about with that, um, like the, the moving tag teams on this show. Um, I, I Butcher and the Blade Work Horseman was going to be the match, if not for the new Heart Foundation, which was going to leave Chris Dickinson and Tom Lawler to be a singles match. But I knew... Um, locally, I I think within the past year, they had wrestled each other, um, not too far away from Maine. So I I did want to do something different. I had had the idea to team them. If the new heart foundation ended up panning out for this show, they did. So, uh, that's, that's honestly what led to this team. I, I wanted to do something different with butcher and the blade, uh, at this point to pull back the curtain a little bit. Uh, we were building Butcher and the Blade up to eventually have a match with the Maine State Posse later in the year. Uh, that did not end up panning out. I think the if if all had gone to plan, uh, that would have been at Twilight Zone. Um, but it did not happen that way. Uh, I believe they were in AEW at that point. So, uh, yeah, things change all the time. And that's, that's really where this team came from. It was either going to be a singles match or a tag team match. And, um, just ended up being a tag team match on that night. But I think Dickinson and Lawler um, w- were a really fun team that night, and I think a team that I'd like to see again at some point. Well, and to round things out here, Michael says, to me, the high-quality tag team matches stood out greatly on the show when things were all said and done. Over the next few months when shows were active, it felt like there was more focus put on the division and teams in general. Was this by design or just happenstance? Um, certainly by design, we went into 2019 really wanting to focus on the tag teams involved with Limitless Wrestling. Um, I had had a talk with the Main State Posse. Um, they were going to be focusing themselves on more tag team stuff between Danger Kid and Agro, which um, obviously left to the, uh, led to the departure of Alexander Lee. But um, in general, we wanted to get more tag teams in Limitless and uh, – I think the, the general idea was maybe a tag team tournament at some point and gauging the interest in that on potentially doing tag team titles. Uh, we obviously never got that far because February 2020, uh, things end up closing up. But uh, we definitely tried to put a focus on the tag teams involved with Limitless Butcher and the Blade, the Workhorsemen, the Mainstay Posse, uh, New Heart Foundation, um, we, we had LAX in there for a few shots, private party at the beginning of the year, the shook crew violence is forever. Um, we we're trying to get more and more and, and even at the beginning of this year, uh, whatever it takes, good friends forever. Um, definitely we're trying to build that tag team division, but I feel what always seems to happen with the teams that we have is they're, they're kind of on a short run because, um, a lot of them, to be honest, either one or the other will you know, move on to kind of greener pastures, end up getting a contract, and then um, things are kind of done there. So we're really trying to work on building a dependable, good tag team division where we could run some stories, run some programs, and have some long-lasting shit in a tag team format so that when potentially a tag team tournament or potentially tag team titles came up, um, it made sense and was uh, was something that people were excited for. So um, there was definitely more of a focus put into it. Um, and I think uh, whenever real shows get back, um, the focus will still be there. I certainly agree with all that. And with that, another episode of the Limitless Wrestling Podcast comes to a close. Remember, get your votes in for the top 10 moments in Limitless Wrestling History Contest.
Those are going to be closing up Monday night, so make sure you get your voice heard. We will be doing an anniversary show to count all of those down for you. I am super excited for that. Randy is as well. Anything else you want to add? Get your votes in, guys. Monday, it's going to close up. So as of recording, you've only got a few more days to get your votes, and we'll be making a post every single day for it with the link to the voting. So you can pick five of your top limitless moments in history. Get your vote in, and then we'll be counting them down on that show. Also, don't forget, watch The Road Wednesdays, 7 p.m. on independentwrestling.tv. You can sign up with the promo code LIMITLESS. Get yourself a five-day free trial. We've also got 35-plus events that are available on demand on IWTV, plus 200-plus promotions on the service. So give it a shot. Get your votes in. We'll talk to you next week.